down in our nonviolent creed is the conviction that there are some things so dear, some things so precious, some things so eternally true that they're worth dying for. And if a man happens to be 36 years old as I happen to be, and some great truth stands before the door of his life, some great opportunity to stand up for that which is right, He's afraid his home will get bombed. He's afraid that he will lose his job. He's afraid that he will get Welcome, 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 welcome back to Unconditional Education. It has been a while. Yes, it has. Yes, it has. Uh, I hope everyone out there in the world had a great Christmas. Happy New Year. Happy Hanukkah. I, I, whatever. Happy Kwanzaa. Yes, whatever mm-hmm. break it was. Uh, we're not sure when this podcast is going to be uploaded, so uh, we did want to kind of dedicate this a little bit to Martin Luther King's holiday, mm-hmm. and also uh, we watched a very, very great film that we're going to be discussing later in the podcast. With that being said, how are you, Miss Sue? I am good. It's 2021. We got goals to accomplish, deadline dates, and countdowns. So. Okay, okay. It's been good. What about okay. yourself? Living life, living life. Uh, reconnecting with a lot of good people, a lot of old friends. So That's it's been good. good. It's been good. It's been real, real good. Feels good to finally record again. It's been a while. We was going to Detroit. The Cleveland. Cleveland. Cleveland? Or? We might have did one in Cleveland. I thought it was the Detroit. I think Shooting Star Street was Cleveland. Okay. Okay. Yeah, it was. Oh, <laughs> we were going through Cleveland. One of the two. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we appreciate everyone. Uh, we have been noticing that we have been getting a lot more listens, a lot more views for unconditional education, and we appreciate that. Uh, it's very important for us to be able to receive that from you guys, and uh, we appreciate the support. Of course, oh, yeah, so and our goal is yes. to record more consistently. Yes, we do say like we when you think about podcasting when you start a podcast, it's really about you sitting down with yourself or with your friends and kind of just you know speaking on hot topics and things like that. And so it can be done haphazardly or it can be done kind of studio style. And so we kind of just been going with the flow and things kind of lead us to really talk. And I think American Skin is a kickoff for two thousand twenty one. So you'll see a lot more of us in this year. That's awesome! Awesome. So what we want to do today, I'm going to actually start this podcast off with a little quote from Martin Luther King. And it say it states the following, our lives begin to end the day we welcome silent. We become silent about things that matter. Let me say that one more time. Our lives begin to end the day we become silent about things that matter. Rest in peace, Martin Luther King. We appreciate that quote. And just give my little background on that. I think that quote is amazing because one of the reasons why me and Sue wanted to start this podcast was because we used to sit around and wouldn't say debate, but have discussions about like so many things that are going on in the world today. Mm -hmm. And it seems to be a perfect time now to remember that if we do not use our voices on this platform, regardless if only one person hears it or a million people hear it, if we stay silent, we're only throwing fuel into the fire. And we're complicit with what's going on. Yes. So 
that's another reason why we created this platform so we can speak on our opinions on our behalf again me and sue do not agree on everything <laughs> but you will see uh with that being said we're able to have the discussion and talk about it and have a unconditional education podcast and uh, unconditional love and care about the topics and be able to move on and agree to disagree yes and the key for us is the education portion so being able to provide resources and solutions um that you can look up you know do extra information for yourself to figure out that works for you and your your circumstance but being able to educate and provide resources because we want to not only we don't only want to speak about the problems we want to provide some solutions very true and before we move on we actually got a new segment for 2021 of the show (laughs) but it's gonna come in in just a second but before we go to that i gave my quote today by martin luther king but sue can you explain to us like what does martin luther king day mean to you or has martin luther king impacted you in any way and if you can explain that to our audience yes um so i feel my honest opinion if i'm gonna be transparent I feel like for at least the black community in particular, we focus on the staple um, figures that are in our history books. And so that would be your Martin Luther King's, your Rosa Parks's, but we don't really speak about the, the no name historical figures that really have had an impact on certain things um, like inventors and creators and, you know, entrepreneurs and things like that. We actually miss, you know, Black Wall Street and all these other things, so we're not going to go there. Um, but for Martin Luther King Day, I think for me, it really is not that that day needs to be the reflection day, but you can use that day as a reflection in terms of what are you doing to provide solutions to problems that were within your community. And I think in our society, we're so heavily trained and like socialized to believe that we can change the world that we so we focus so much on worldly things that we don't focus on the two or three people that you can you know have an impact in your spheres of influence people you can actually touch and we forget that we really are just six degrees from the entire world so if i can impact two or three people in a consistent basis and those people now can use that information to impact two or three people you're now multiplying the number of people you have impacted even if you don't see it and feel it i think that's what our issue is is we're such a i need to see it like i need to videotape me feeding the homeless so you saw that i did it versus just doing it because you want to do it and i think that we need to step back and kind of have a reflection moment of what you want to see change things that bother you maybe just in your community and focus on that and then understand that that one step will impact the world later down the line. So that's what MLK Day means to me. Okay, okay. You got your chucks and pearls ready? I understand the notion of why we did chucks and pearls. And I know that it's it's supposed to be a sign of solidarity moving forward. But if we don't do anything with it, it was just a moment. And then that doesn't, it like we're, we can't continue to be a moment society. Like that was a moment. So what are we doing with that? Are we going to now create more mentoring programs that are going to mentor little girls, that are going to mentor young men to be able to reach these asses, to know, like, we shouldn't, I know it's a sign of, like, Kamala's now in the office. She's now vice president. She's the first woman. She's the first African woman. 
American woman and her other nationality is. Is it Asian? Indian? Mm, yeah, I think it's some Indian, but more of like West American Indians, more that. Apologize, we'll look it up. It really doesn't matter. But we we use it as the. I see it now. I know that I can be almost like um, because I can movement. Mm-hmm. But we've already seen that we can. We we we've had hidden figures. We've had other types of things to know that we can in those spaces. And I feel like if we only use the movement without action, like. When you think about hidden figures, it wasn't just the movie that was able to spark about the history and the figures that we don't talk about. There were programs that were created so that African American young women can get in spaces of electrical engineering, you know, astronauts, space stuff like that, math. So if we're not using the chucks and pearls to do something with it, it's it's a moment, and I'm kind of over like microwave moments. Awesome, awesome. Okay. With that being said, that was a great transition. You really <laughs> helped me out with this new segment of our show. I'm Unconditional so happy, Education now has one little spot merely for the men and myself. We have a sports section. And with that being said, it was great. She talked about hidden figures. We were talking about astronauts going into like different stratospheres, going up to space. And it's a great saying that we used to hear all the time. Houston, we have liftoff. <laughs> Houston, we have liftoff. But you know what's sad? You guys aren't coming with us. Harden has found a new home. Tell yeah. Us Tell us how you feel. Yeah, good Houston fans. You know, you have liftoff, but your main astronaut is now gone. <laughs> Step back, Jordan. Step back, Harden. What y'all call him? Jimmy Buckets because he was in the strip clubs. Hey, he is now with the Brooklyn Nets, and I feel like it was a great move for James Harden. And the reason why I say that, people, is because James Harden wasn't going to win a championship without other stars. He's a great ball player. He's a great scorer. He does some great things individually. But in my opinion, he did nothing to better other individuals on the court. Yes, he can spot up and pass the ball to an open shooter, but if that shooter doesn't make points, as we've seen last year in the NBA playoffs and things of that nature, it doesn't amount to anything. So he needs that Kevin Durant. Uh, hopefully Kyrie Irving be on his way back uh, once he gets there. But I can see him, Durant, and Kyrie doing some big things. So look out, world. And, you know, that was our one highlight for the first segment of our sports show here at Unconditional Education, and your gracious sports reporter, Norris, is out. Don't you love your sports? I, I tell you, man, you better support him. 
I'm telling you, I'm telling you, that was like the greatest part of the show, probably. <laughs> so uh, but no, good luck to James Harden. But now on to bigger and more important things. All right. I'm, can I say this before you start, yes. Sue? Telling you right now, I don't know where we are in the time hack of this show, but uh, I'm telling you right now, we're going to let you know if you have not seen this movie, American Skin, we're like 12 minutes into the show. You might want to stop listening right now. Because we are going to ruin the movie for you. We're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about some scenes in the movie. So just to let you know, if there's anything you want to know, please do not listen past this moment. Because if you do, there will be spoiler alerts. So with that being said, I'm going to let uh, Sue kick it off. But before she kicks it off, also, we are not going to just be talking about the film. We're going to be hopefully providing some type of education for the members. And for the, I mean, not our members. I'm acting like we're at the military or something. Uh, for our, uh, our audience who listen to our podcast. So, um I hope you guys enjoyed this part of the show. And uh, again, this was a great film. It was a great film. But it also was some things that I feel that we could have done better that we're going to talk about. And we're also going to talk about some main points in these things. So, Sue, I'm going to let you take it and open up about this American skin. Okay, so I'm going to open up. But I do want to say it is rare that I like these types of movies and I think it's because it it sparks all types of feelings passions rages and know that we at least on that front me and Norris are on the same page how we go how we want to go about it is similar and different in terms of what we focus on um to be able to do so but we we do want to say this movie is has been yeah so American Skin for me, which I didn't know what it was about because I don't have Amazon Prime. I tried to save some ducats. <laughs> um, I bought it. Anybody in the world who need to who need to watch it, yeah, I'll shoot you my my Amazon Prime for this movie. I'm shooting all the stuff on your Amazon Prime. <laughs> you better be careful. <laughs> um, it for me, it's like a typical black movie, I guess, because it's Black History Month coming up. Um, that's what we want to, that's what we want to do. So it, it put me in like mixed emotions, but like I watched it and like, it was, it was cool in, in, in ways I can understand what they were trying to do. I think there are moments where they like creatively or their director or how they wrote it, like dropped the ball in being able to display black issues, black problems black words in the right way as we move forward we, we, we rip, like for me these types of movies i'm tired of the the cliche like when we had that whole i think time period where like all slavery movies were coming out all tv shows and they still at the root saying the same d, d word thing and i was just like when are we gonna move past this narrative and start shaping and framing the black 
community, the black life in a different way. So in a way, I kind of liked the stance that they took. And we'll go more detail in it in a minute. But like, I like the stance that they took in certain parts because I was like, hmm, this might be what we really be thinking. And people really might want to do this. Not saying that we should be promoting this because that could be a fail in itself. Um, but I, it was nice to see a different perspective. Um, but then it's like some of the words and like the the exchanges, I was like, golly. But we know this already. So like, what are you going to do about it? But it's still powerful. Like, can I start talking about like, see? Yes. Okay, and, I'll, I'll wait. And... And throughout this conversation, guys, what I what my role is going to be, I'm going to give you guys kind of like my opinion. But Sue has been gracious to grace you guys with like some research, some stats. So I'm pretty much going to like throw the topics in so that we kind of stay in line with the movie. Mm -hmm. But she's going to also throw that educational part in there because we always need that psychological. It's called psychoeducation for you guys whenever you're actually talking about something that could be affecting people, but then you provide an educational moment in there. So that's just a little mental health tidbit there. Uh, but um, with that being said, like American Skin for me, first of all, I watched it because shout out to Sean, shout out to my brother and Sam and them for their gym heads uh, podcast that they have. But Sean, which is one of the members on the podcast, actually pretty much put this post out on Facebook like hey man have y'all watched American Skin and I was like what is American Skin and that's when he told me about the the film and like when I read it I was like gotta watch it and it was not what I thought it was gonna be it took some a lot of twists and turns um I think to make a long story short my opinion is it was a movie to talk about the social injustice matters, but they wanted African-Americans to have an opportunity to see how it would look if we took injustice uh, into our own hands. I like that. So that's kind of what I got from it. But with that being said, we'll talk more about it almost like not really scene for scene. Uh, well, I'll start with, first of all, man, should we even, we got to tell you guys what happened. We're so, spoiling it. Yeah, so it's a spoiler alert. So you have an African-American father who's driving with his African-American younger teenage son. He was 14 years old. Mm -hmm. And they get pulled over driving through a monomaly Caucasian neighborhood. Yes, um, it's a more wealthy neighborhood. Yeah, they're the more wealthy neighborhood. Uh, the cops stated, you know, in their reports that they pulled them over for speeding, which at that moment... The dad made a very good argument later in the film that it's no way that we could have been speeding because it was a speed bump. I think he I want to say he said so many feet in front and so many feet before. Therefore, they, they were yeah, actually slowing down, down. they were speeding. Yeah. But what the cop did say is they never put the speed in the report. report. So the first issue. No, uh, I was going to say, like, um, just in that oh. scene. The first issue that we see first is racial profiling yes, because they yes. were two black, two black males mm -hmm. in the wrong neighborhood speeding. Mm -hmm. Second is the notion, almost like stop and frisk. Yeah. Um, 
But the fact that I can pull you over with probable cause, it you'll hear the cops over and over, it looked like you were speeding. So because it looked like you were speeding, we, we pulled you over. But if you ain't clock me, like you ain't clock me speeding, like, so what you doing? Yeah. And since we're going to kind of hop around anyway, guys, it's going to be kind of impossible to stay in the movie's pattern. Because Sue made a great point when you look at the racial profiling part. But later in the film, the white officer actually discuss why white officers pretty much have that thought process about African-Americans in a predominantly white neighborhood. So with that being said, how do you feel about that? though? How did I feel about it? When he said that. When he said that, I thought it was awesome to hear because a lot of times as African Americans, we never truly get to hear what we want to hear. Even though we know the truth, we you know, know why you pulled us over, we know this happens, but to hear a Caucasian officer state in his, and this guy was the guy, you know what I mean, like, who killed the son, you know, so like, it's like, man, you gotta take some, almost like a small win from that. Like, you know what? All these years we've been telling the world that racial profiling exists and we have another white officer telling us racial profiling exists and that's how we are trained. Mm. Say that again. Oh my God. When he said that, that kind of hit. He said we are trained this way. As in, if you're a black person, a person of minority in a where you don't belong in terms of status, financially whatever they are going to stop you and and it actually brings in that other um film not film but uh that video we saw when the dude was um in the mall with his oh, wife yeah, yeah, yeah. and they arrested like the video starts with him being um handcuffed and arrested but it basically was like oh we heard that a black dude with tall with locks robbed a car and you fit the description yeah. so now we so now so now we've cuffed you up so it's it's for the education piece for us is as minorities as african americans you have to know what's going to happen so we have to stop being upset that we're being racial profiled mm -hmm. we know that it's happening the education piece on the law enforcement side is to be honest the leadership has to get better the leadership has to update their training i understand we live in a time where things are uncertain you never know if somebody's going to bomb you or not like we had pipe bombs going off of the capitol for no reason mm -hmm. so like so i get it's crazy but we but we know it's crazy so we can't use that as our defense and our excuse we have to get better in terms of law enforcement being able to train our officers in a better manner where they can see things and make the best judgment because again you should be able to do the same for all citizens. It should not matter the color. That's almost down to saying Muslims are always going to bomb us and people from the East are terrorists. Like, we have to stop that because that's crazy. Like, yeah. not everyone is like that. And America is a melting pot. You could be born here and only know American things, and you can't tell me now I'm from another country just because of the way that I look. So we get that. But as African Americans, we know racial profiles is going to happen, so we now need to train ourselves to be prepared if i know that i'm going to be stopped i need to make sure that i'm doing x y and z yes yes like one of the big things that you're going to see in the film is uh having all your stuff together let me say that again having all your stuff together and what i mean by that is this father was picking up his black son from a friend's house who lives in a caucasian area the father was putting his child 
in a better school district as well. So that's why his child was in a Caucasian, predominantly Caucasian area. With that being said, when they were pulled over, the only reason they end up getting them pulled out of the vehicle is because at that moment, they could not provide updated car insurance. Yes. And don't get me wrong, people, because when you watch the movie, we're not sitting here saying that this person was wrong, this person was right. Correct. We're just trying to say this is an educational moment so that now we know racial profiling exists. So at now when I'm in that area, I need to make sure, you know what, you know how we sit down as black parents and tell our children, you know, if a cop pull you over, put your hands on the steering wheel, don't talk back, say yes, ma'am, say yes, sir. Now you might want to add in, hey, son or daughter, before you leave out the house, let me see your license, your proof of insurance and your registration. Let's make sure all those items are in the car and not in a glove compartment. Readily accessible. Readily accessible. Like we need to really take the opportunity now to make sure that we are always doing our part. Because one of the big things that me and Sue, we don't disagree about, but we always talk about is like, we can't prepare for every scenario. But I also like to play devil's advocate because now devil's advocate allows us to provide an educational moment. And one of the biggest things here is the reason they were pulled out of the car is because at that moment that he gave them an insurance card that was not insured or accurately updated. Yeah, it was even inspired. even though later in the movie they find out that he did have insurance on the, the car, car which I'm sure we're not cops, so we're not here to be cops, but I'm sure there's a way for a cop to the, be able to check. Yes. So you'll see in the movie yeah. that he like typically the cops mm-hmm. would if you get stopped, yeah. a cop be like, "Oh, give me your stuff," and they go back to the car and they start running everything. Yeah. So everything would come up. So therefore, mm-hmm. you should have been able to see that the car is registered, indeed registered, not registered, mm-hmm. and then insured and not insured. Especially in the DMV Maryland mm-hmm. area, when you get stopped, you have to provide proof of mm-hmm. license, registration, and accurate insurance because you can't be rolling around dirty out here, guys. Mm-hmm. It's it's real. Yeah. The so and but in the movie they never actually do that. Yeah. They never go back. They kind of say, "Oh, your documents expired. All right, as because you're the driver, come out the car." But of course, the dad is doing everything that black males and, and African Americans are taught when they're stopped by the cops. Again, that is a separate issue. I don't. We'll go into that, but that's a <laughs> we'll go into that when we get to the other part. But that's a separate yeah. issue. But he did everything he was supposed to do. Yes, he did. The father did everything he was supposed to do. With that being said, remember on this part where we're talking about, please provide that educational moment. My daughter is 16. She's about to start driving. She's about to get her permit. Like, I'm going to ensure that she has a see-through Ziploc bag that has literally not just she's going to have her license on her, but I'm going to have like a a paper copy copy of her license in that thing. I'm going to have... The copy of her license, a copy of her registration, a copy of the proof of insurance. I'm going to have all that and also probably have the parents' copies of our IDs and stuff so they know who the parent is in that thing. It's almost like creating a first aid kit for driving and being readily ready to be pulled over. Um, and I will also recommend for parents and even adults Make sure you update this package every 30 days because most people's insurance is paid every month. Some people pay all the way up, but some people forget to Mm -hmm. get their new insurance card and stuff like that. So you kind of want to review at least every couple weeks or every month just to make sure it's good to go and just make that part of your daily routine. 
So we could stay on that forever, but that's just one of the parts. But that's uh, a good tip. I didn't really think about that. You yeah. can still have your items in the glove compartment yeah. like you normally mm-hmm. do, because I do. But like maybe like in your visor or something where you could say, here it is. Like I'll actually say, yes, the visor. Have it clipped into the visor mm-hmm. so it doesn't go anywhere when your when your car is open. But when I get pulled over, here goes my paper copy. If you want to see the physical copies, now I'd be like, mm-hmm. I can say I need to go into the glove compartment and grab this. I need to go into yes. the bag to grab that. That's a good idea. That's a good idea. Like, and that'd be a good. I mean, I hate to give these uh, this tip away, but that'd be a good inve- uh, good invention. If somebody yes. could think of like a a driving portfolio that is pretty much just like one page portfolio. Where you have your driver's license, a copy of your driver's license, your insurance, and your registration just being able to be shown. It probably already exists, or you probably can use like a project folder and cut it in half or something mm-hmm. like that. But, but something to put in a car. Yeah. And, and again, we understand that we shouldn't live in a time where we have yes, to do this. But you have because to. Because this is, this is where we agree to disagree. Yeah. But you have to do what you have to do to stay safe. Yes. A lot of the times what you'll hear in the movie, he was like, I understand that you're mad. I understand you don't like this. But guess what? If you do X, Y, Z, come home. To, at least you'll come home to me at the end of the day. Yes. At yes. least you will come home to me. Yes. And another thing before we roll into, because it's funny now that we're sitting here discussing the movie, you could really stay on the first scene of the movie and talk about that for hours. Because once you get into the movie and you hear everything, you're like, bam, okay, this is what they thought. Man, if I would have knew that, like, okay, but the one thing I want to talk about prior to us getting to our first topic, which is going to be like educating this stuff at home, is like we have to get out of the habits of trying to pick up our cell phones and record everything. Now, I understand why it's important because you feel like the body cameras are not accurate. They can be turned off. We've seen that. The recordings never produce anything or they could be accurate and they, they don't use them correctly in the law. However, like these and you'll see in the movie and the cop confirms it they are fidgety as f word mm-hmm. like any even though they so the uh, so the young okay so the dad was driving the son is 14 in the car the dad keeps saying this is me and my 14 year old son this is me and my 14 year old son so it's not two grown dudes driving in the car it's a family like that's important and you'll continue to hear that and so the son of course he went to a predominantly black school. They fight all the time. There's always issues. He now goes to this better predominantly white school. And I can relate to that because that's what I went to. So now you have all these resources, these sports, these, he, like, he's just, we're going through it and we're talking. And, and you know, he is, mm-hmm, he is listening. We'll hit the education piece, but we have to hit the education piece to talk about this. So... He's in the car and he keeps playing with his phone because now he wants to record it because we now live in a society where we record everything because we want to show you they're not doing it right. So I'm going to show you that they didn't do us right. I understand that. But if you're going to do that, I'd rather your camera, like as soon as you know that you're getting pulled over, you need to have, we need to have one of those, the, the stuff that holds your phone in there if you're driving. Oh, like a mount or something? Have a mount and put your phone there if you want to record. At but the, it's... But it's also, guys, uh, there are dashboard cameras you can get put into your car. You can buy these things from Best Buy. Yes. Um, any type of store. Uh, probably even Walmart might have them now. But there are dash cam recorders that you can have on the driver's side. You can put one on the passenger side. 
Uh, one of my providers, when I was stationed in Louisiana, he had it. He had three of them. He had one that was directly looking. It would look at him, and it can look at the cop or whoever comes through his driver's side door. But then he also had another one in the middle that he had actually pointed outside of his vehicle. So, and, it, and he said it was very in affordable. Um, and we're just providing these tips. We know some, not everybody's going to be able to afford these items. So I think like Sue said, having like a, a, a mount for your car uh, to have that readily available if you want to record. Exactly. That's the biggest thing. You know, for me, I do understand why people want to record. But when you go back and look at history over the time, every time we've seen a recording of some black man unarmed or something being shot, that person was just recording and never received, giving that person help. So at the end of the day, if we're going to record, we need to, you should also get somebody on the other line to call 911 because you're here, you're sitting here recording an incident that ends up going bad. Yes, you have a viral video, but you never gave any help or assistance to that person that you felt was being wrongly accused or social injustice was happening. If we're going to record, we need to start. It's almost like somebody falling out, like doing CPR. You tell one person, go grab the AED, the other one call 911. We need to start doing the same thing when we see social injustice going on. Yeah, if somebody wants to record, the other person, your friend, or somebody next to you or a stranger needs to be calling 911. And even though the cops will be there, mm -hmm. sometimes you need to call Yeah, call again. So. Yeah, call again just so you have that 911 dispatcher on the line and let them know, hey, this is getting out of hand. This is getting ugly. Uh, so we can have recordings. Uh, but with that being said, uh, Sue is going to talk to you guys about the scene where the father actually educates his son about these type of things prior to this event ever happening. And that's what I thought was very cool about the movie that you don't really get to see the scene until later in the movie, but you get to see the things that the dad did do prior to this even book. To, yes, to so like we said, son, he come, he's in the car, he's now recording, the cop's like, oh my God, what are you doing with your hands? Dad's like, Put your head like put your hands up, put your hands on dash, put the phone down like he's cussing at the son, his son's not listening. And like like uh Nora said, we're gonna allude to the scene of why I feel that he didn't listen mm -hmm. and wasn't receptive to the information that his dad said. And so it's verified that it is a phone. The cop does say, I saw that it was a phone, but I feared for my life. And when the son basically when the when the the son now is asked to get out of the car. He's still recording, but like he's kind of fidgeting now. Like, cause again, he's 14. He's now looking for his dad. So when he was able to break free from the police, he starts to go around the car to get to his dad and a, and a cop shoots him in the back. Like dead on arrival. So what makes that important is, is when we talk about education and we talk about the programming that happens in society, the programming needs to happen at home. And in this movie, the programming, like, they had a moment, so we're going to say the programming did happen at home, but be, where the son got educated and where you get your education matters. And I thought this was a very interesting part she's going to make because I missed it in the movie because she was like, no, 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 this is why, you know, with where he was going and his thought process. Cause she's going to talk to you about like he was pretty much on a zoom or facetime call with his african-american friend that he used to go to school with and they were talking about some stuff so. yes so if you have like i applaud the father 
before picking up a job as a janitor because in the movie he actually is a military veteran comes back home can't get no job can't like the typical stuff that we struggle with so that's whole really a separate topic, yeah. whole nother topic uh within the movie um but they were having a conversation because they were talking about the u.s constitution um with his friend that went back to the black school and he was like man you don't get it like we're doing these projects like we learning stuff they no fights like so they're going back and forth and in a white school i will say that i went to a predominantly white school especially in high school you learn about the constitution Me too. and i mean this he the, the son embodied like what it is to be an american child like i'm a go to school you're going to teach me this and this this is what it is so what he was trying to say is in the constitution there are sections i can't even remember like the amendment basically he was trying to say that the cops cannot no one can uh, arrest you or stop you with excessive force and if you feel that somebody's using excessive force to do something you have the right as an american to protect yourself that makes perfect sense i mean he is learning it in school and it is drilled so when you come when you're when you're when your black father your black mother or anybody in your in your community comes to you and say yes but that does not mean you i'm telling you the boy did not understand it retain it nothing and i can't be mad at him because he's going to a school that is literally teaching his american ass that this is what you do and so it's very hard for kids to understand that they're American, but I'm a black American and that means something different. And so I think that is what we see. And it's easier to put our, our, our kids in schools with students that look like them because then they'll have the same experience versus going to a, 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 a diverse or predominantly one race institution because we feel like they won't understand. And truly, this is what I grappled with when we think about this movie the fact that we're the same and not the same at the same time american skin like i have american skin but my american skin is different than your american skin if you're another race and so i mean homeboy did not retain nothing he was like no dad he, it says it right here it doesn't matter they cannot do x y and z so if the police do x y and z i'm allowed to as an american to do a b and c his dad was like stop and then he was about to like turn his zoom off with his friend and he was like, no, nah, you need to listen to this. And he basically explained, and I'm going to let Norris explain it because he is a black father. But he had basically explained. He pretty much explained to his son that I understand the laws, but the laws don't apply to us, pretty much. And that's true. Because they weren't written for us at that time. Yes. Yeah, so, and, and it's true. Uh, I was speaking with Sue about this part because for me, I can relate. Because a lot of these experiences that other African-Americans experience, I never have experienced. And with that being said, it's easier for me to always think outside the box because that's just my personality. Uh, with that being said, I also have a lot of common sense. But this, this young man, as you see in that role of the movie, you could tell that he lacked a little common sense too. Like his father wanted to put him into a better environment to learn but the learning was actually hindering him. You know how people say you don't have street smarts? He had the book He smarts. had no book, he had no street smarts, but he had book smarts. And his friend on the other line was like, hey, no, no. Like his friend on the other line already knew, like, no, nah, we shouldn't smarts. be doing this, you know. And um, I think that's one of the things that is confusion, uh, confusing our youth today is that as black parents, we're trying to do the right thing by our children, but we're also putting them in a predicament of, 
how do I protect myself, understand that I'm black, but then also blend into an environment that treats that that priv that I don't like this, but godly privilege, but privilege it, it's privileged, but it's like for other people. And uh, we don't this ain't on topic, but it's gonna make sense at the end of the movie when you see what the newscaster does. And uh, they go to like sports. And to hit on sports is because that's what we do as African-Americans, too. Uh, when our children are good sports athletes, we put them in predominantly white schools Not because that education. white coach or that white school wants you to be there to make their sports program look better so that they can win and bring more money to that community. Not worried about your education. And they're not worried about your education. But at the with that being said, it's a struggle because as a parent, you do want to always do what's best for your children. With that also being said, that's why right now I'm really big on grassroots. Like we need to really start back, like Sue said, programming at home. And we need to really start allowing our children to just live the life that they have to live, but provide them education at every moment. We need to stop yelling at our children all the time when they make mistakes. And we need to be able to provide them an open ear because we are not going through the same things that our children went through now like i know that for sure the things that my daughter tells me about at her school is not what i experienced at my school when i was 16. so with that being said yeah without with that being said just to kind of wrap up that part of the movie the father did a great job he did try to start the programming at home and explain to his son what he can do as a black male with that being said his son was also getting correct information from education and as a child, that's very confusing to know how, what piece of information should I use today? I'm getting pulled over. Well, my dad told me to do this, but the law says this. And now you're doing and a tug of war. That. And yeah. then I learned that in school. And it's more so, like, well, they told me in school. So when I listen to what school said yeah. when it comes to like stuff like that. And it's so. a mental, it's a mental uh, tug of war. And with that being said, what I was telling um, Sue about was that's why I think now, especially in the t 2021, we really need to start moving to more homeschooling yes and the reason why i say that is because and again guys everything we're talking about today on this podcast we know everybody don't have the ability to do that but i want to make this statement before sue goes into her part because i told her this offline we also need to start changing our priorities as african-american people those shoes you it's parents who work three to four or five jobs so that that son or daughter can get the Air Force Ones that come out or they can get the Jordan releases that come out. That three to $400 you're spending on that young man's feet so that he can look fresh or cool at school, you can be spending that money to create a homeschool environment for your children. Because we are starting to get into a nation where it's safe. It's going to be safer to be at home than to be out. I mean, it, it's things happening everywhere you go. Movie theaters, basketball games i want to say what like a year or so ago basketball games people shooting at them i mean nowhere is safe and sometimes your home's not safe which we have seen with the cop black rushing into the wrong house and killing the black man but with that being said we need to i think homeschooling is a great route if you have the resources and the opportunity to do it and i pray and i'm speaking this into existence that some african-american person it could be myself if i get blessed to have that type of um leverage i will really start trying to skip create programs that really 
forces people to have an opportunity to utilize homeschooling for their children. Because even in homeschooling, your son and daughter can still play sports. They're still under a school district. They can still do the same activity. They can go to proms. They can go to... So it's things that they can do. Because when I was recruiting, I had a lot of children who joined my our, uh, Air Force by through homeschool. So they do have the resources to go play sports and things of that nature. But I'll pass it on to Sue to kind of like explain like her side as well. Yeah, and so he, in our in our offline conversation, he brought up homeschooling. And the first thing I was like, well, I mean, like, if I work full time and I'm in the office, like, how am I supposed to do that? Yeah, we're, like, currently we're in a pandemic. So, well, people act like we're not in a pandemic because they use past tense. But we're still in a pandemic. So, especially when everything was shut down and people were forced to work from home, it, 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 companies have the ability to do that if they wanted to. They just choose not to. Um, and that's a separate issue. But if you were had the ability to homeschool and were able to embrace it more, and it'll be different than what's going on now with when kids are being sent home with packets and they're not really, like, you don't know what Common Core is, the way that they're trying to mo- multiply math don't make no DAM sense. I, I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. But homeschooling allows you to take those concepts and build your own curriculum and there are a lot of resources even if you google just like state homeschooling how to get certified in the maryland dmv area you don't need to be a teacher to be able to do that you just need a high school a high school diploma Um, and you can create your own curriculum and why i think that's so important you know piggybacking off of norris's idea for the resource is that you're able to now in this sense we saw that the, the 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 young man learned something in school this way he was book smart, but he needed that street smart. And so with being having the ability to homeschool, you now can give him that book and street smart. And the, the, the bigger part, especially um, my undergrad degree was in sociology with a concentration in anthropology. And so in sociology, sociology and anthropology, especially at Morgan State University, the program is very hands-on. So if we were learning something about forensic science in, in class we actually went to a museum to actually physically work on something if yeah. we're talking about fingerprinting and you know things like that or she like my professor dr howe actually took time to like if we're gonna start digging and looking for prints and things like that we went outside and she set it up where we can dig in the in, dig in the grass or go to a museum and learn and so homeschooling provides you the ability to make things hands-on so that your student is not only learning in the classroom but learning outside of the classroom i think that um it's almost similar to like study abroad be able to learn a new you're able to learn a new um language when you're immersed in the language and the culture versus just sitting here and and looking and, and reading stuff from books and so i feel like especially for the black community if we're going to move toward the homeschooling route you actually can educate your kids so much better they're they'll be more well-rounded it's almost like being a a military kid because you move around so much you have Mm -hmm. to be able to adapt um and you get to learn you know in different perspectives and i feel like if we're so if we do not like the way that the schools are, are are teaching our kids and we know that they're missing so much stuff they should not have to wait till february to learn anything about black history month they should have to wait till march to learn anything about women and it can't just be mlk rosa parks and oprah and barack obama michelle obama because those are great but you're missing the w.e.b du bois the frederick Douglasses, the like you're, you're, you're missing too much and so you're now able to create curriculum that can be holistic and that means encompass everything and not just a particular perspective. Yeah, yeah. 
I definitely agree with that. And my biggest thing is, um, as Sue will let you know, it's like I'm big about we have to get out of the habit of thinking that we can't or we don't have the resources to do things because there's like a program for everything now. Like there is nothing out there that's not almost accessible to everyone from the richest to the poorest person. And uh, with that being said, I mean, we need to start being pretty much, like they said, it takes a village to raise a kid. You know, it might already be an African-American family that does homeschooling. You know, right now we're in a pandemic, but let's say, you know, this is, you know, we're going to have different rules later on throughout the years. Maybe you can have your child lynch on to that family who's already homeschooling and y'all now create like a school within the community throughout because this person's going to already be teaching the same curriculum if you have kids around the same age group i think we need to start getting more into the world of almost like you said earlier about like the black wall streets and the we need to start okay if this lady down the street is a homeschool teacher and she has four kids let's try to help her because now you don't have to pay for like a true traditional homeschool we can provide lunches we can maybe provide a, a bigger area um things of that nature we just need to start thinking to me on a bigger level because i feel like the only way for us to truly fight social injustice and to stop these type of things that you've seen that happen in american skin is we have to become one as a as a um, culture as a race as a community yeah as a community like we have to be grassroots man like just doing things outside of the box and um uh, i shout out to any black families who are already homeschooling who are taking the reins to do that. Uh, and sometimes you might got to sacrifice. You know what I mean? And that's what you're doing anyway for your children working three to four jobs. You're sacrificing. Well, maybe you can move downsize your home and move into an apartment. You know, uh, we have to understand what our end goal is today. You know what I mean? Just like that dad said to his son, I want you to get home. I don't care what you got to do, but I want you to get home. We need to start having that. I need you to get home or I need to get the goal complete mindset in everything we do as african-americans we need to stop setting standards that we need to dress like everybody that we need to have the shoes that everybody has like no i want my child to be safe i want my child to learn about everything i want my child to be able to learn any foreign language that they want to learn and we have full control over that and i'm telling you guys it might sound crazy today but i'm telling you 10 to 15 years from now you're going to be shocked. If we're moving in the same direction we're moving, it's going to be the other races who are doing what I'm talking about today. They're going to take their children out of these schools and they're going to homeschool because we're becoming a very divided country right now. Mm -hmm. And when come division comes great things and big things, big depressions happen. And these Caucasian people and other members, because it ain't just Caucasian people. Or not Well, Sue hates Caucasian people. It's not just the white people who have these advantages either. Um, I've been, I was stationed in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Native Americans get free education, free college. They have their reservations. They get to work there. Like there's privilege all around the world. We just don't know about them all. With that being said, us as African-Americans, cause that's what we need to be focusing on that. Cause we're, we're black and that's what we need to focus on. That's my biggest goal. You know, my goal, I always talk to Sue about it. I want to start a nonprofit. These are the things that I have like in my mind to want to do in a small community. Maybe I can be that guy who starts 
a homeschooling environment at a community center or something of that nature, providing other black educators with other employment jobs, like, uh, so they can come to school and really teach children who want to learn, you know, uh, but that's a whole nother subject for a whole nother day. But just this movie is great because I think it's a great education moment. Um, and before we get into the other things to kind of give you guys a little feedback on the movie, like the black people actually took other prisoners out of the jail mm -hmm. and put them on a jury. They actually put the cop that killed the son on trial. Because, of course, as you know, yeah. historically, the cop was not you know, charged, charged yeah. for killing the young man. Um, at all, even though there's, you know, data and, and all the other stuff to kind of show the difference, that it, you know, that it was a phone, that car wasn't sure, things like that. So what the dad did was he snapped. And this is what I say, this is a different perspective. He snapped. And so he got his military friends and they all strapped up <laughs> yeah. and they went into the police station and held them hostage. And you end up finding out that they had no intentions of killing anyone. It literally was to... And, and they end up like taking hostage it was supposed to be a documentary but they used the documentary to like get the message out it wasn't meant to kill nobody it literally was to show them what the white cops started to say that we do racial profile that we are scared that we're trained to come home at by any means necessary um and what they kept alluding to was we won't go home too like we're not trying to be out here and getting killed and like it's the same thing like it really opened eyes for mm -hmm. a whole second and, and that's when we start talking about the system and programming. Like, we're programmed, like, institutional racism is real because you're programmed it. You actually don't even know that you're programming to learn these things. Mm -hmm. And so you actually grow up like, I'm not racist. But then you do rate, you have racist characteristics or, like, mm -hmm. in certain instances, you end up having those qualities kind of outshine the not being so racist. So that's why we talked about homeschooling to be able to kind of change that program. Um, but... And they go, I mean, and they go through a lot of stuff, guys. When you guys watch this movie, I mean, they brought up about women's d discrimination against women, women um, in the police force, police, women's in the police force, Latinos. different race to Latino. Like, this is not just about black people. And I thought that's where they failed. I, there were moments in the movie where the white people in the movie asked the black people certain questions like that we should have responded in a better manner. Oh, oh yeah, because uh -huh. it'd be like. Well, blacks be killing blacks, so why does it even matter? We talk about whites yes. killing whites. Like I'm not racist. Race should matter. Blah blah blah. And I was like, well, why does that matter? Like, why do we? To be honest, that's why we end up. I'm kind of pulling out some crime stats. Um, and it's uh crime stats uh and by race profile of arrests by offense. And so, um, it's like the Department of Justice website. You can actually pick whatever year. Right now, it just says 2019, and it actually goes down um, from all offenses to multiple, like multiple, multiple types of offenses. We pulled out like murder, manslaughter, weapons, and drug abuse because those are the, the topics that kind of talked about in the movie. But it goes down to rape, larceny, burglary. Um, what I think it fails at is the only races that they put out there: black, white, and, um, Native American, and Asian. Mm -hmm. And we know that there's kind of by classification of how you know the country works there's more classifications than that but you'll actually start to see ba i mean based off numbers minorities are minorities they do not you know they didn't they don't have enough numbers to populate the majority but you'll see that like these numbers kind of show that i mean white people do more because there's more of them but you know so when we start talking about like white on white crime and black on black crime like 
it's crime at the end of the day like we're still doing things against our communities like when we say black on black crime i'd be like okay but all the serial killers y'all know are white yep. all the serial killers in history are white and the stats that they pulled up from 2019 to kind of give y'all a, a like a snapshot it says for all the fences the white stat is 70 percent the blacks were 26% of all those offenses. That's all the offenses. That, yeah, we were talking that's, about. That, that's murder, manslaughter, weapons, drug, rape. Out of all the offenses that they gather stats for, the white community made up over, I mean, made up 70% of those stats. So think about that. Like, and Sue made a good point too. It's more white people in the world than, than black. So like, when you, it's, I mean, that, that doesn't get you off the hook that you're 70%. But at the same time, numbers are going to fluctuate. So, I mean, it's just like if you go to a, a, um, a predominantly black neighborhood and pull stats only from that neighborhood, the blacks are going to outweigh that 10 white people that live in that neighborhood. So, it makes sense at the end of the day. Yes, if you do so, it by neighborhood and by yeah. city and state, those are always going to change, but this is the national average. Yeah. So When we're looking at murder and manslaughter um the number of whites that were arrested made up 46 percent, but the number of blacks made up 51 percent. and so then you start actually starting to see what type of offenses we we dominate um so then we can kind of work on that when you're talking about you know trying to fix institutionalized racisms and things of in our community when we're talking about weapons and this is like carrying weapons possessions anything to do with weapons the number of whites that were arrested was 56% of the population versus blacks that are 42% of the population. Again, we're not re reporting on the other categories, the Asian and the Native American, so these numbers won't always reach up to 100%. But if you go to the website um, that we went to, and it's, if you just Google race profile arrest by offense 2019, uh, the Department of Justice and Juvenile um, um, the department's in juvenile department, but you can, these stats, you can take it out and see just juveniles, just adults, or see everyone. So you'll be able to see those numbers. We just took the percentage, but these are talking about like millions. The numbers were in the millions. Um, and then lastly, when we think about drug abuse, um, drug abuse and the possession, um, whites made up 71%, while blacks made up 28%. So to, realistically, if we're thinking about everybody in the world, we don't use drugs that often. However, we, we do know because of racial profiling and because of institutional racism that a black person getting pulled over for weed and a white person getting pulled over for weed, we're most likely going to get a harder offense because we have examples of those um, in, you know, in a, throughout history. You could just Google that, that will get more time served, you know, than, you know, any other of the, other of the counterparts. Um, and we probably use drugs more in our community. So we just picked up you know that offense just within our community that number that 28 percent would probably be more but again we also know that or like the i believe that the the government's pumping drugs into our thing and pumping guns in so we get rid of each other like you know all those things will start to make sense but we can't continue to hold on to that narrative we now need to start changing it so if we know that these are the things that we struggle with then we have to start finding solutions to be able to change it. And so the, the whole point of bringing that up is just that we can't continue to, you know, rest our morals on the black on white crime, the black on black crime, the white on white crime, because, I mean, you can always take any type of, you know, stance to it and, and be able to argue it definitively with facts if you actually do that research with court cases and everything that, with that being, you know, with everything that being said. But, you know, what can we do to be able to change it within our communities? And it could be having a conversation. Like, our kids should not, 
I'm not saying kids should grow up very fast, but with with social media and the things that they're, unless you're monitoring them, they're going to grow up fast. They're going to know what drugs are, weapons are, and things like that. So if you're not having those conversations, you're kind of doing your children a disservice. Um, and it doesn't always mean that we need tough love because that's how our parents grew up and taught us. Like that was a different time period. They had to be tougher because you could get lynched. Like today, now is we could get shot, but we have resources to be able to get out. Now we can go to jail. Like so, we have to just start to be able to do better. Um, just with the education piece, just in, and honestly, all of this is a mental health piece. Because I mean, yeah. when I say so, Norris, following up on this is a mental health moment. Like, what are your thoughts? So, I think that's very, very important that we understand this mental health moment. Uh, especially when, they, like we said, um, going into Black History Month, um, there's going to be a lot of triggers this year. Uh, I know my workplace, we're going to be holding a four week long uh, Black History Month workshop for uh, actually like destigmatizing or killing the stigma of black people receiving mental health care. Um, but That's with awesome. that, yeah, with that being said, I think this movie, I hope that kind of like brings up in some homes. Uh, especially when you see the uncle uh, played by Ghost uh, from Power. He did a great job of showing the uncle who really had a lot of PTSD um, and was down for anything, really. Yeah, you know, medical issues. Yeah, yeah. And then another mental health portion that we kind of missed, and I'm glad we're talking about it now, is when the world starts using people who look like us to make us make decisions to kind of like ease the city or ease the pain Uh, the black captain in the movie is pretty much being the Uncle Tom Like I hate using that terminology but they're using this black captain who's the black captain of the department to come out and talk to the mother of this son who was killed and they were trying to use her to make a public statement on TV to stop the violence and the riots and the protests and that's very difficult um, to be in a leadership position, but not be able to separate your leadership from what is really right. And to make a long story short, even when she did it, you had a pastor next to her rubbing her back while she was making her announcement about stop the ride, stop this and that. And um, that's another thing we got to stop doing. Like, we can't be putting these moms on there and they knew not to come for the father. So like in which was very unique. They, they went for the, sure yeah, the mothers. They always use the, the mothers. mothers. Yeah. So sympathy. Mm-hmm. So but that's real big. Um I think mental health is gonna be a huge thing going into twenty twenty one. It was already kinda something that was being brought up a lot in twenty twenty, prior even to the pandemic. I know with people like Charlemagne the Guy, uh other celebrities, uh Kevin Love, which was uh the white basketball athlete from the Cleveland Cavaliers, Paul George, talked about it during the pandemic. We have to understand that um, we really need to get our mental health straight so that we can battle these social injustice things that are going on in the world. Um, and before we end this podcast today, uh, I'm going to let um, Sue go with her closing remarks, and then I'm going to leave you guys with something to kind of think on or or sleep on for the, our next podcast. I'm gonna leave you guys with something that I feel like is very important that I actually found just doing research. You know, so Sue, what are you some of the closing remarks you would like to make to the world? Yeah, I would say watch this movie in a good headspace. 
we need to as a culture work on being able to educate through theater in a better way and like you said if we need more time take that time make sure that you're doing justice to what you're trying to promote versus conforming to the time constraints people are trying to give you and then you kind of miss the mark on the masses on how we reflect on it um think about you know having that you know low zip lock bag for not even for your kids just for yourself in terms of having that you know the id your registration your license is somewhere that is accessible where you know you know visibly the cops can see you you know taking your hands and pulling down your visor and giving them what they need um i think i'm on four four i'm um, thinking about you know the homeschool option um, again, a lot of what is going on, especially the, the the reasons or signs leading up to the son being killed, is it's an institution. Like everything is a system, and the only way to break the system is to be able to provide resources outside that system. And so, homeschooling would be one of those things. Um, and like you know, Nora said, if it's if it's just you alone, if it's you doing it as a community, if it's a nonprofit opening up that space for that community. Those are things that you want to look into because you'll be able to provide your children with a lot more, even though you might have to sacrifice or move some things around. In the longer run, they'll be in a better predicament um, and you'll have more flexibility in what your students are actually, you know, being taught and retaining um, so that, you know, they're not, again, I guess, taking taking concepts knowing that it doesn't really apply to them or being able to apply educational concepts to the real world. That's actually the real correlation that's important. Um, I think those are the bigger the biggest things that uh, I want you know our listeners to be able to take away with um knowing that like as black as a black female we're we feel the same way we're in the fight man I have the dread so you know I'm the poster child in, in perspective you know for black rights but we we have to start you know changing that narrative and providing more solutions and so hopefully this does touch the one or two of the community that we're trying to touch to be able to do that awesome awesome i hope you guys take notes those are some great closing remarks uh and my closing remarks are going to go back to because i'm always trying to provide like an educational moment and uh when i was researching and doing a little checking uh we always talk about the amendments um it's something that we use all the time especially when it comes to the social injustice we use certain amendments that kind of fit the situations at that time but it's one amendment that I wanted to highlight that I think we don't talk about a lot that can actually improve our opportunities or our percentages to have less African-Americans in jail. And this is what the amendment I would like to read. It's the Eighth Amendment. And the Eighth Amendment states that excessive bail shall not be required, nor excessive fines imposed, nor cruel and unusual punishment inflicted. And I think the first thing that we don't think about is that excessive bail shall not be required. Uh, as you go through life, um, I have had um, people in my family, not my immediate family, but like my brother-in-law who have done time. I know people who have done time. And some people get some outrageous bails. And for anybody who don't know, most of the time when you get a bail, you only have to pay like 10% of that bail to get released. Um, you'll see that like in the world of like celebrities, they'll give celebrities like $100,000 bails, but they only got to pay 10000 Well, to a celebrity, 10000 is nothing. They're millionaires. But when you get in there and you got pulled over for some marijuana or, some, or something of that nature and your bail is now 
90000 and they need your family to come up with $9,000 or you have to stay in this jail cell until Monday or until the day you can see a judge and that judge might not still grant you bail, especially for people who are on like the two strikes, the third strike, like their bails are going to go higher and higher. And our amendments were written so that we don't occur these things. And when you don't have high bails and you're able to get bailed out, now you can use money to get yourself a real lawyer. Let me say that again, a real lawyer. A lot of our people that are in the prison system, not just black, but most people who are in the prison system uh, receive these public defenders. And you're honestly just a case number to yes. get on and off my books as a job. Yes. And you do have good public defenders out there, but mm -hmm. some public defenders don't have the opportunity or the time. Public defenders are like social workers. They have a lot of cases with very little resources and very little money. So they're trying to just give you the bare minimum Okay, man, they're telling you, you you know, we won't give you life, but we'll give you 30 years. Like, they're not trying to sit there and, like, go and investigate your case and get into the weeds. So, yeah, what lawyers are paid to do when you're paying your retainer fees and things of that nature. But I just want us to start really educating ourselves as a black community. Go back and read your amendments. Uh, go back and read uh, these certain things. Go read the Constitution. Go go read these things and look at the verbiage that was put out there for us to have something to stand on and start using other avenues to fight because we're using the same tools. We're coming to gunfights with the same swords every time, and we need to start equipping ourselves a little bit better. But that's my closing remarks. I just want to talk to you guys about that Um that Eighth Amendment, it really just stood out to me because we do go through that a lot. So Honestly, we need yeah. to somebody to write the amendments in the Constitution for dummies um, so that we can understand it in layman's terms and in terms of today yeah. and then kind of have like the book versus streets more. So this is what the book says, kind of like the sun, and then this is what it actually yeah. means for this community. And I think that would be such a great resource that someone should tap yeah. into. So, but other than that, we appreciate you guys taking your time. Uh, this podcast is a little bit longer than normal, but there's some real good facts in here. Uh, who knows? We might even come back and talk a little bit more about the film because it's, it's a lot you could talk about. We probably can make this into like a five to ten part series, just breaking down every element of this one film. Uh, I know we are going to watch that one night in Miami, so we probably break that down soon for you guys but uh hopefully you enjoyed our new sports segment mm -hmm. uh on conditional education and we're just trying to bring a little new some new information some new style to our podcast but uh it's your boy norris it's your girl sue and we are out peace but it really doesn't matter with me now because i've been to the mountain top i don't mind Like anybody, I would like to live a long life, longevity. Has it